The Defense Department formally stood up its U.S. Space Command last week as one of its first big steps toward expanding its space capabilities. As another one of the next big steps, officials say they also want to create a Space National Guard. If Congress goes along with the idea, some of its initial personnel would likely be drawn from the Air National Guard. Lieutenant General Scott Rice is the director of the Air National Guard. He spoke with Federal News Network's Scott Mossione about how his component of the Air Force might contribute to the growth and demand for space forces. We in the Air National Guard are part of every mission and everything the Air Force does, including space and all those space missions. And my job is to make sure that I lay in this this construct called the Air National Guard into the Air Force that's very cost-effective and meets the, the core principles that make us guardsmen, uh, that we have a, the appropriate uh, full-time to M-Day or part-time mix, uh, that we capture the experience base, and then we pull expertise out of, out of a community and and give them the opportunity to serve something bigger than themselves, like our nation. And so this is where we get expertise out of the space community, where they're they're getting compensated, paid, and have benefits that are significantly more than the military provides. And yet they come to work and serve in a part-time capacity in our enterprise, specifically space, and they they love it because they add value and they get to do things different that's on a national scale. In light of that, I've got about 1,500 guardsmen that are working in space and space operations across about seven states right now. Those are the ones that the Air Force and the Air National Guard are actively pursuing to be a part of this new space force if and when it, it, it becomes reality. So as we work with Congress and as Congress defines what they want to do, what they can do, and what they're going to do, the Air Force and the uh, Guard with these 1,500 airmen are hand-in-hand hand on how we transform them into a new space force. So going on top of that is the creation of the Space Command, which set up, I think, last Wednesday? Yes, um, or Thursday, I Thursday. Think. So how are you going to be working with Space Command, and, and what kind of expectations are you going to be getting from them? You know, they're, they're the ones that are setting what your units will be doing and what kind of demand you'll need. So what are you hearing from them so far? What, might, what are you kind of working with them? Well, this is, uh, this is, we've been hand in hand in, in the Air Force in providing a capability to uh, the Department of Defense. So now as we put that combat command, uh, that unified command called Space Command in play, now we join the Air Force in becoming a force provider of people and equipment into that combat command. And so our relationship and our responsibility isn't going to change very much. Uh, now the fact is we're just going to be working for uh, a, a combat command, which is a very clearly delineated mission, role, and responsibility uh, to defend and operate in space. And we will be a force provider with our 1,500 airmen into that enterprise, just like we have in the past. Where do you see space going right now? I mean, obviously, so General Wilson was talking earlier this morning, and he was saying that China is cutting edge. You know, they have quantum satellite up in, in space right now. Where is the United States military going with space, and, and how is it becoming more of an important domain in this multi-domain sort of uh, aspect that you have right now? 
Well, we're definitely evolving very rapidly. And this is of all the domains that the Department of Defense in the United States operates in. Uh, this is probably the one with the most growth in the, in the shortest period of time as we look to cost effectively and very efficiently putting objects up in space, not only from the military side, but the commercial side. It's really becoming a, an environment that is just blossoming into a great opportunity for, for everybody, for the Department of Defense to operate in, in space and, and provide greater situational awareness and multi-domain operations, and as, uh, as well as our commercial side, which is, uh, is using space as a means to provide better services to everyone. We're, we're going to see a fundamental change in communications and, and our look at the weather on the globe and all of those things that are happening, and, and all of those will be a part of space space, and as equally, the Department of Defense and the U.S. Air Force will be right there hand in hand. So we've got a lot of places to grow, a lot of capabilities we want to be a part of as we uh, jump into space. So I saw you yesterday, and you were in a uh, C-130 sort of, uh, I guess it's a, a, a simulation sort of chamber, uh, and, uh, you know, that, that kind of brings up the larger aspect of modernization, something that the Air Force and the Army are working on pretty hard right now. So where is your modernization uh, sort of journey right now? Right. And, and, you know, are there any sort of kinks in it? Well, the, the, uh, the, the big kink is, uh, you know, for the United States, is we can't buy everything and we can't uh, get into every opportunity that's out there, whether it be operating and maintaining the equipment we have or... Uh, and buying the new things that we need uh, for the future and the force we need to stay on the cutting edge of this, this uh, perpetual competition uh, we have with uh, countries like China and their different way of life and Russia and their different way of life. And as we compete in that space, we have to both uh, modernize our equipment and keep it up to speed and put, like you saw yesterday, new digital on our older analog C-130s, new digital equipment. At the same time, we need to buy new aircraft and recapitalize our program into new aircraft side by side with the Air Force. Um, just a, a slight caveat since we're talking about aircraft. Um, what are you doing to prepare for Dorian now that it's kind of coming up? With, uh, with uh, great pride, uh, we have a, a system that balances uh, our state uh, connections where I put all of my money into a Title 32, a federal code Title 32, uh, to train, organize, equip uh, for overseas operations, our whole force in the Air National Guard. And that capability, that mindset, and all that equipment, I can move and use in a domestic environment uh, to, with, with of great success to help our communities and our states respond to a, uh, a terrible disaster like a hurricane like Dorian. So what we do in the uh, Air National Guard is uh, given some of those authorities, uh, we have a lot of training that we do, uh, that we can do in, in the United States to get ready for the, uh, the storm and event. And, and incidentally, we have an operational benefit of, say, prepositioning some forces in place and getting them ready under, under our uh, responsibility to train our force. And we, we do that uh, 
very well and get great training, increased readiness out of this. At the same time, we're ready for uh, what's going to happen during the event and after the event and, and add value to that, uh, that if need be, and we're going to chop those forces to do complete operations in that state, uh, then we move them into a different status and they're ready to go and we, we execute. So we've been pre-positioning forces there and getting them ready uh, to do all those things like search and rescue and, uh, and, and support our first responders, which takes the brunt of all the responsibilities. And we're there, right there, hand in hand with, uh, with emergency management and, and fire and police and, uh, and EMTs and emergency services uh, to be able to respond to whatever happens. Lieutenant General Scott Rice, director of the Air National Guard, speaking with Federal News Network Scott Massioni. Check out Scott's story at federalnewsnetwork.com.